Heavenly Features is an 18 Maiden Lane production. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, a weekly podcast where myself, Sophie and my friend Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together every week to talk about films. This week it is Kim's choice. So Kim, what film are we watching this week? Okay, so for this week I chose to come back after our break with a bang. Uh, so this is one of my all-time favourite films. Uh, it's the 1993 Jurassic Park. So this is based on the book by Michael Crichton and directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, and it's written by David Kep. Uh, so this stars Sam Neill, Laura Dern and Jeff Goldblum, among others. Um, so Jurassic Park is the brainchild and passion project of the entrepreneur John Hammond, who's played by Richard Attenborough. So he and his team uh, of scientists and other staff have found a way to clone dinosaurs. Uh, so he has created an amusement park with real life dinosaurs, because why not make money out of it? Uh, so he invites some folks to try out the park and get their seal of approval uh, before they open as their experts in their chosen field. Uh, so these include paleontologists Dr. Alan Grant and Dr. Ellie Sattler, who are played by Sam Neill and Laura Dern. Uh, the test run doesn't quite go to plan, however, uh, when one of Hammond's employees, Dennis Nedry, uh, who's played by Wayne Knight, turns off the power to a lot of the park, including the T-Rex fence, never a good plan, uh, in order to steal dinosaur embryos, leaving everyone separated and fighting for their lives, trying to regroup and get off the island without being eaten by the dinosaurs. Uh, so as I said, this is one of my all-time favourite films, and Soph has never actually seen it all the way through. No. So <laughs> I have this kind of vague recollection of my family renting it from Blockbuster back in the day on VHS, um, and... I remember them watching it. So I do remember key scenes. I remember um, the scene where the guy gets kind of eaten by the T-Rex and he was sitting on the toilet. Yes. And I remember um, the, well, like I've seen the scenes of, you know, at the beginning when he looks out and there's all these animals at the watering hole. But I don't really... Uh, I didn't really remember any of the rest because I was terrified as a child and I'm pretty sure I left the room. Um, so <laughs> I just found it way too scary and just like never revisited. And you know I'm a wuss. I like absolutely hate horror yes. films for that same reason. I'm such a wuss. Um, but this was a little too terrifying for me as a child and so I never never really re revisited it. Yeah, it's uh, like I, I still struggle to believe that you never revisited it because it's just like how did you get through like being friends with me for over 20 years and I've never forced you to watch this <laughs> because you know what is really weird is like so we became friends when we were what 12 11 11 tw yeah 11 12 years old is when we were like be becoming friends and for most of your kind of like of our teenage years I don't think you really mentioned that you liked dinosaurs that much or that you watched Jurassic Park that much well, I think a lot of that was trying to not be the, like, gigantic nerd. Yeah, maybe. Whereas now, uh, in, like, your adult life, you've kind of gone full hog into I love, unashamedly love dinosaurs, which is, you know, fair enough. Um, and also, by the way, love a nerd. But it's, <laughs> uh, 
yeah so you're you seem like way more enthusiastic about dinosaurs and it was a side of you that i didn't really know that well because maybe you hid it a bit more when we were younger yeah well i mean i think being conditioned as a like teenage girl yeah like having one of your biggest like things that you love are like these nerdy 90s films like jurassic park like or even like 80s films like alien back to the future like ghostbusters like they were my jam and i had like like clothes with them all on i had all this stuff but obviously you know you can't show all of yourself in school no no that's true so (laughs) i mean i'm glad that i was able to finally sit down and watch this because i probably wouldn't have otherwise if i'm going to be completely honest with you because it i'm not particularly interested in dinosaurs at all myself so i indulge you all the time and this is an occasion, yes. you know, an, an example of me <laughs> indulging you a little bit. Um, oh, but... Don't don't think it doesn't go unnoticed. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's all right. I made you watch so many films last year from the nineteen forties, so it's like you've indulged me quite a lot as well. Um, but but yeah, it was it was good to kind of watch this um, and get the full picture, which I wasn't aware of obviously before going into this yeah and i'm assuming so i'm assuming you've never read the book either god no no have you (laughs) Uh, yes of course you have of course i have (laughs) (laughs) why am i surprised um yeah it's i mean dinosaurs i love it it's you know i can't get enough of dinosaurs i know so i was kind of surprised how um they went like all in right at the beginning like it goes in strong I had forgotten how much build-up and set-up there is to this film. Probably because yeah. I hadn't really seen it, if I'm going to be honest. But I didn't realise it goes on for like a full 40, 45 minutes before we really get into the tension of the dinosaurs and the fact that they're going to break loose. There's all this build-up before I... that. And they go in really strong with like literally a murder of a dinosaur. Wait, when, when are you talking about? Right at the beginning of the story. Oh, the the raptor. Sure. Uh, that kills the guy. <laughs> yeah. And they kill him. Shoot her. Shoot her. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. I mean, but it could just be Trank Darts, you know? I know. I'm pretty sure they talked about how they killed it. No, but I choose to not subscribe to that way of thinking. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Sure. Um... <laughs> no, they do, they, they do open really strong with like a raptor attack. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing you see. Mm. Um, and then you're right there is like a long gap of not really that many dinosaurs but I think that plays into the reason you kind of agree that they all get out of the truck and like go off exploring in a dinosaur park because they're frustrated that they haven't seen any dinosaurs that is true also would never fucking do that personally (laughs) oh yeah but you know I would you know I'd be like and you die So we have, um, obviously, we have that iconic font. I can't remember, actually, if this happens before or after the section I'm just going to talk about now. So forgive me if I'm wrong, but that iconic font that has been with us for the last, like, 30 years, like, it, has, it is so iconic. If someone wrote anything else in that that font or You'd that You'd be like, oh, it's Jurassic Park font. Like, it's Jurassic Park. Exactly. Yeah. So um, you have that, and then you have the classic question that we all have to ask ourselves which is small boy or lesbian, um, which <laughs> I very much experienced watching this uh, when they are, at, before they go to Jurassic Park, they're like digging up dinosaurs. Yeah, they're they're at the dig 
and yeah, and the little kid who it's it's like it's like a forty year old cross between Kathy Burke and Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, that is honestly, I cannot see it as anything but a short, butch, forty year old woman, lesbian in yes. particular. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I know you love dinosaurs, and I know that's the focus of this film, but I can't believe you'd never mentioned this to me before. <laughs> well, you know, I don't want to spoil all of the queer stuff in Jurassic Park by telling you out like out the gate. Is there that much queer stuff? There's there's two queer things. Oh, okay. well, there's a few other queer things, but there are a couple of queer things. Okay. Well, I, I will... mean, mainly that all of the dinosaurs are female. And yet they manage to reproduce. And they couple up and reproduce. <laughs> that is true. I'm sorry. Loving it. <laughs> Yes. Um, so we also, um, <laughs> I don't know why I got really distracted by Richard Attenborough's incredibly tight trousers <laughs> when he's bending <laughs> over into that fridge. He had like the <laughs> biggest wedgie. Is it just that is me? so not where I thought you were going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Richard Attenborough. To me, he's always Chris Kringle from Nightmare, not Nightmare, <laughs> Miracle <laughs> on 34th Street. God, that's Depends on the size of the wedgie. <laughs> well, that is true. I mean, it was um, quite horrific in that all white suit. Um, but he's just like invading people's privacy and then decides to take them all to um, Jurassic Park because he needs some backing from experts to get the go ahead. Um, and I, this is where obviously Jeff Goldblum also comes into it because the lawyer brings him in as another expert as another expert and i could not get over how much on that helicopter ride he sounds like nigel thornbury which okay i had never picked up on that ever and now i cannot unhear it (laughs) he makes this funny noise look we're going to insert a clip here compare it now to this clip here of nigel thornbury It's exactly the same thing. <laughs> it is. It is. Thank you very much. And um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. So <laughs> it definitely is something that I like. That's one thing I love about your brain. You pick up on these weird fucking things that like most people would just not even hear. Yeah, but... And you know the reference immediately. Like, I will sit there and I'll be like, that sounds familiar. And then it's gone out of my brain. You'll sit there and be like, this, I saw this in the year 2000 at this place. And this is what happened. Yeah, but in all fairness, with Nigel Thornbury, not only is he an iconic character, but yes, he's voiced by Tim Curry. And there may have been a time in the 2000s when there were lots of memes with Nigel Thornbury. So... Do you remember like yes. the CSI theme tune and they did that and they went Rah! or something with his voice? No. I can't do the voice, but that was like a meme. See, this is what I mean. My brain does not work like that. So I will, oh. every time you have these references, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love them and they're <laughs> funny, but I'm not there with you. Okay, so moving on from the Jeff Goldblum <laughs> and Nigel Thornbury. <laughs> By this point, I was getting a little bit like, where are the dinosaurs? I mean, I know we see some and they're beautiful, that scene where they're just like at the watering hole. And that is a stunning view, like a shot. It's amazing. uh, Oh, it takes your breath away every time. Like, even to this day, I've seen this film so many times. And yet every time without fail, that scene 
takes my breath away and I like choke up. I think it is brilliant and it's definitely, I think, where the CGI holds up the best, perhaps, because it... Oh, there wasn't a huge amount of CGI in this uh, film. I think out of a total... It was like 15 minutes of dinosaurs on screen. Right. I think it's like only maximum like seven minutes of CGI. So it's not a huge amount of CGI. Okay, about half. Maybe. it's It could be less than that. You know what I'm like with numbers. But it's like only like a few minutes of like CGI throughout the whole film. So, okay. many, so much of it done was like animatronics, which is so cool. So you, I always love animatronics and like old school um, special effects. I always find they're much more grounded and therefore I believe them more. Even if they look more kind of hokey, I believe in them more than I would if they were all CGI. I have no problem believing anything. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> Well, that's an overstatement. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, yeah, cool. There it is. Like, if I'm watching a film. So it doesn't actually make a difference to me. So we get on to um, the next bit, which is kind of this really interesting, slightly ironic kind of conversation about the ethics of cloning, which I was yes. surprised was really such a heavy feature in this story. They, they linger quite a lot on, on, the, on this theme. Um, but I thought it was really interesting because um, they were kind of suggesting that, you know, di- dinosaurs are for everybody. This shouldn't just be for the elite, for the rich to be able to experience these um, recreations of live, these live animals. And I thought it was really interesting that it was almost a kind of uh, socialist take on who should have access to the world, or even maybe even more of a communist take on who should have access to these creatures. This idea that it's like everybody is equal in the sense of being able to share in this. And I wasn't really expecting that so much. And then, of course, it's kind of contrasted by the lawyer who is incredibly capitalist, wanting to just make money. Um, And then the irony that, of course, they're having these conversations, but both in this movie and then, of course, like in the real world, there is so much merchandise made from this film i thought it was really i don't know how intentional it was in the film but i thought it was a really interesting kind of conversation or kind of they must have known what they were doing because the scene is much later but we see this pan shot of all the merchandise in the main building and oh the product placement is beautiful in this film yeah they're obviously really (laughs) selling it so that after you've seen the movie you walk out the cinema and you go straight up to the merch stand or whatever and you buy whatever whatever it is with the Jurassic Park logo on top. And I had so much stuff with Jurassic Park logos on. Like yeah. I fell into it immediately. I was like, yes, all of it. Thank you. Exactly. So you are kind of being sold a product and yet they're having this conversation about how all of this should be for everybody, which comes across as being way more kind of socialist and, and less capitalist yeah i i did find it very interesting that they like even taking out the whole selling us merchandise stuff just within the film itself they like put on this like whole argument of you should like everyone should be able to experience this Mm. um like regardless of how much money or anything and then it's also at the same time as everyone should be able to experience it they're saying we shouldn't really be doing it in the first place yeah and also they have this huge kind of ethical debate, essentially, 
in the middle of an action film. Yes. Which is interesting. Like, you'd think it would slow down the pace, and it kind of did a little bit, but it was a conversation worth having. And then there's this idea of, oh, everybody should have access to this, but they're not sharing the technology with anyone. Hence this side plot of um, the guy stealing the um, embryos. Yes, embryos. Yeah. The embryos. So there's there's this kind of it's still very much. I mean, you're on a remote island. You can only get there if you're very rich, um, and they're just trying to kind of battle with the concept of who should have access to these creatures, and how yeah. much, and therefore how much of a kind of literally a theme park attraction are they? Because they are just there for oogling at, um, and then of course you've got the the understandable concerns of the scientists who are saying you can't contain a wild animal. You can't mm-hmm. contain an animal who does not understand who and what we are because we were, you know, created or we lived, we've lived in such disparate time periods. You know, the idea that, you know, you don't know what you're doing with the vegetation, so you'll be poisoning and killing both humans and dinosaurs potentially in the process yeah, of job. this. Um, so this is growing great. And then the idea that evolution or that nature will always have its way. Um, doesn't matter how much you think you can control something, you cannot control nature. Because at the very least, you might think you're controlling the genetics of these dinosaurs, but we all know that mutations can happen and that evolution can happen. And therefore, yeah. uh, these dinosaurs, which you believe you've controlled through their chromosomes, um, and by shutting off certain um, certain elements of their DNA and their genetic coding so they don't procreate, is obviously going to mutate and change, which it eventually does, we see later in the story, um, because you cannot contain nature and, and the wild beast. Yeah, well, nature finds a way. That's... Exactly. Like... And I just think it was really interesting. I wasn't going in expecting to have this kind of conversation about the ethics of cloning and the um, kind of arrogant nature of humanity thinking that they yes. can control such a, a prehistoric beast. Well, I think that's one of the best things about the film is it literally has something for any age. Like, yeah, I watched it as a young child. And, and fast forwarded through that? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. But I wouldn't have grasped it. I wouldn't have picked yeah. up on a lot of it. And like, I've watched it consistently throughout the rest of my life. Mm. and it always firstly you can always get something new from it and secondly like being able to be entertained as a child and have that same film make you question your morals and humanity Mm. as an adult it's just such an incredible thing to do well yeah because I guess like there's so many people who would find it absolutely fascinating um, and if given the chance would look at cloning animals bringing they even talk about potentially trying to bring back this mammoth don't they not in the film in life at the moment they're talking about yeah they've got the dna early of a woolly mammoth and so they're like one step away from actually doing it and therefore like is is that actually an ethical thing to do will the animal be able to survive considering the fact this is a woolly mammoth and literally all our ice caps are melting um, we don't even have enough food up there to supply the animal's well, that are still left after we fucked up the planet so much. So there's so many things that need to be considered. And it's just like, we can't try and recreate a world that we are also destroying. 
like if you want to clone you should maybe like try not to maybe clone things that have gone extinct potentially for good reason because well, that's everything the... does happen for a reason why don't you try and you know stop an animal from the verge of extinction well that was that was dr ian malcolm's point that he made in the film where he mm. said about like oh where sorry where um they said oh what about like condors like richard attenborough's character said what about uh, if we saved condors mm. um like you wouldn't have a problem with that and dr ian malcolm says about how he like bringing back an extinct animal that went extinct through nothing that we've done as humans mm. compared to different. bringing back from the verge of extinction from us fucking up the planet yeah obviously this is not verbatim um then he like you have to question the ethics behind that you have to question wh- whether what you're doing is right oh definitely definitely i just think like it, it, i just think it was an incredibly interesting conversation and obviously the the point of the film is to watch ah oh, the dinos- dinosaurs got loose but I think actually the the thing that I kind of took away from this was that ethical debate. I mean, it's no surprise because like obviously um, my my kind of educational background is in like religion, philosophy, ethics, things like that. So of course that's going to be the the bit that interests me the most. But um, I wasn't expecting that in this. Yeah, it's that's I, I that's why I think it's one of my favorite films because not only does it have everything you want from like dinosaur franchises. Mm. Uh, but you've also got these ethical questions and it's a very human told story and there's still such a respect for the animals throughout the whole franchise there's obviously people who don't respect the animals as there always will be and try and just profit off them or you know sell them for the wrong type of thing um but there's there's also the animals like sorry the humans that really do everything they can to protect these animals and treat them with respect and it it just throughout the whole franchise there's questions raised there's like always something to think about in all of them and i think that's makes such a much more interesting film so one question i did want to kind of ask you is john hammond do you mm. think he is more of a misunderstood hero or a villain uh i don't think he is a simple one of either uh i think it's there's arguments both ways as to what he's doing obviously he wants to go into it to entertain at the end of the day it's not like he he's going into it from a scientific background of wanting to learn more about dinosaurs or anything like that he's going into it to make money and entertain people because his first entertainment attraction he opened was a flea circus like he already said that in he said that in the film and so he's he's going into it as an entertaining profitable business as opposed to going into it with the sort of eyes of oh maybe if we learn how to clone this we could save whatever species or learn to like replace organs for people or whatever you know it's he didn't go into it with any of that in mind he went into it just to profit basically but then you've also got the other side of it where he's saving these animals and bringing them back to life and creating a habitat for them or i would argue he's not saving them when they've already gone extinct no but like he he treats them well when they're there um so 
there's the argument both sides, but I personally don't see him as a hero by any stretch. See, I think that his own hubris gets in, in the way and that is what ultimately makes him more of a of a anti-hero, perhaps somebody who is had good, perhaps, well, I was going to say he had good intentions, but I don't know if he did because I think ultimately this has come down to him um, believing that he should and does have the power to control life. Yeah. And bring something back that is not designed to live in this world and he hasn't he's done it obviously out of his own curiosity and his own love of dinosaurs he clearly has an enthusiasm for dinosaurs but i think that a lot of it is motivated by his own arrogance his own hubris and the potential for making money i don't think he's doing it for any kind of altruistic reasons and he talks about, oh, well, what if I brought back these animals? We could do that with this technology. But I think the key distinction is that he hasn't done that. He hasn't created this technology and then gone, oh, look how we could use this to, uh, you know, save existing animals from extinction, animals that we are causing to go extinct. That's not been his focus. He's, fa- he's created this technology and then he's gone straight into dinosaurs, which have much more of a profitable um, aspect to it. You know, that, that's his motivation. And he, he patented the technology. He's so not sharing the technology. No one else could do Exactly. That. So nobody else can use this technology theoretically to go and save animals from extinction. Um, that, yeah. You know, that otherwise would go extinction, uh, extinct because of man-made situations. Um and he doesn't make it accessible in a way that is, um, you know, everybody can really enjoy these animals, these, these dinosaurs. So he's not doing it so that everybody can learn. He's doing it in many ways to be to become rich and for the rich. Which also he's already very rich. Yeah. And like, I just don't think... Trust a, don't trust a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. And don't trust a man in white or just don't trust anyone who wears full white. <laughs> Um, because I'm sorry, I always just think it's a little dubious. Um, I feel like there's always something that's got to be hidden there if you're wearing full white. I don't see him as, like, I've never seen him as a hero. I've never hated him. I've never, like, actively gone, what a terrible human, even though if that was in real life and this billionaire decided to create an attraction somewhere... Mm. full of like genetically modified and like created extinct animals not only would i be very jealous that i couldn't afford to go i would also be anti it so you know it's it's not a i don't think it's as simple as hero or villain but it's definitely not a hero do you think that he is made a little bit more villainous by the fact that he didn't go on the tour around jurassic park with everyone and essentially left his grandchildren in the care of other people um, when this was a prototype experience at that stage. But he thought that he had put every failsafe in place. He was un- he was so wrapped up in his own story. His own he, hubris. He believed everything that was said to him and what he said was fact. I just feel like if he was a better grandfather he would have gone on the ride with them. Yes, but then we wouldn't have had the nice little arc of 
Dr. Alan Grant like looking after Tim and Lex and like finding his way to being like a more open person not just because he doesn't like kids but in general the of course it can happen where somebody changes their mind regarding children but as somebody who is not enamored by children particularly young children um I don't like the trope in films where suddenly somebody who doesn't have some kind of fatuation no no doesn't have like a kind of enjoyment of hanging around small children suddenly becomes very maternal or paternal because they hang around with a child oh no i hate i hate that trope in most films okay there's something like honestly genuinely i'm like if someone says they don't want something they don't want it yeah no means no at the end of the day like (laughs) it's i i normally hate that trope it's just i think it's because i'm so in love with sam neil uh that i'm like um (laughs) i think also i definitely noticed that dr grant is your fashion idol everything that he wears i have genuinely seen you basically wear Yes. Well, I told you about my Halloween costume where I went as Dr. Alan Grant and no one realised I was dressed up because I just wore my own clothes. Yes. Uh, Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Uh, (laughs) So one thing I had never realised at all, like genuinely had no flipping idea, was that Samuel L. Jackson was in this film. Yeah, it's, it's like not talked about at all no i don't think i've ever heard him talk about it i don't think i've ever heard anybody talk about him being in this film and i know he's not one of the main characters but i feel like he was probably well known enough around then and he's massive now yeah it it is weird that it's not really spoken about ever and also he has like an epic death bit like i know you don't see him die but she grabs his arm and, like, waves it around. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, everybody always talks about uh, Richard Attenborough, Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill, and Laura Dern. Yeah. They never talk about the fact that Samuel Jackson is in this film. And I no. really enjoyed him. And first of all, I was incredibly impressed with how much he could say whilst holding that cigarette in his mouth. Oh, yeah. I would have dropped that out of my mouth. And with like the it's amount of ash time. that was on the end and it didn't fall and it was yeah. just kind of like be going up and down as he spoke, yeah. I was like, that's skills, man. That is skills. That... Yeah, but I also, couldn't do it. You need to quit. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but this is the 90s. And also it doesn't matter because his arm gets, at least his arm gets ripped off. Um, we never actually see him dead, technically. So I like, I like to think that he didn't, he lost his arm, he didn't bleed out, and he thought, fuck this, and he ran off. And is he now just living with, like, the Triceratops somewhere? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> or he tried to run off and another Velociraptor got him. Well, yes. I mean, they do hunt in packs. Yeah, they do. clever girls. They do. I did actually quite like the dynamic of how the different dinosaurs, that it showed how the different dinosaurs hunted. Yeah. Because none of them hunted the same. Obviously, the T-Rex no. just was just like, destroy, destroy, destroy. Um, the, I don't know what it's called, the little one with the little kind of very fancy neck that pops out. Yeah. Um, and then throws like, I want to say, poison darts. A, a toxic, like, dart gunk. Um, <laughs> but they're not darts. <laughs> they are, they're like little darts that fling out on people. No, it's like goo. Oh, was it? I thought they were like 
little kind of dart things. <laughs> no. And I really no, wanted like... there to be like this reverse moment, you know, like in the faculty, which we talked about in an earlier episode, where an <laughs> Elijah Wood's face, all those little maggoty things drop out his face. Yes, but Jurassic Park isn't a comedy film. I don't think the faculty is either. <laughs> but it Wait, is. What? <laughs> high camper, I love it. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I, th- I thought, genuinely thought they were little like kind of paralysis darts or something that he was trying to do. No, it's like a toxic, I don't know, obviously, what part of the body it comes from, but it's like a toxic, uh, like, gun that then he spits. And then, like, you see Nedry, like, trying to wipe it off his face. It looks like he's covered in tar. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I was watching this film. This might be sacrilege. I was watching this film on my laptop. So <laughs> I may not have picked up on all the details. Plus, I don't know anything about dinosaurs. I just love that T-Rexes have tiny little arms. I also want to take a moment as we uh, think about and mourn the loss of that character, whose name I have forgotten, um, how much he also has inspired your fashion. Oh, uh, you mean Nedry, yes. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. The, uh, with the very uh, excitingly bright shirts. Yes, I mean, <laughs> you cannot go wrong with like a really over-the-top print yes. on a button-up. If you're queer in any way, that is part of your uniform. <laughs> So as a young child, you're like, okay, so this is fashion. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm taking well, notes. I, I, okay. So, I, so this film came out in 93. I yes. didn't see this one in the cinema because I was four. Yeah. Um, but I saw it pretty soon after because the next one came out in like 97 and I saw that in the cinema. Okay. Um, and I remember having the VHS copy of it. It was like a nice black cover. I think I originally it. saw it in like 96. So maybe that was around the time that it was like the VHS to have. Yeah, probably. But I, so I also had like a Jurassic Park t-shirt. I had like obviously dinosaur toys. Uh, and I just was obsessed with Jurassic Park. Mm. And I remember going to like my local shop and there, a guy came in and uh, he saw me in my Jurassic Park t-shirt. So he gave me his baseball cap off his head that had like Jurassic Park on. So it was obviously still a huge thing whenever that was. Yeah. And then, yeah, I saw I saw Jurassic Park 2 in uh, the cinema, which was amazing. So it, this basically any of those sort of fashion choices that I make now you can directly link back to a childhood of just being obsessed with this film. Yeah. I'm just, I just don't want to kind of walk into your flat and find you in a horrific white kind of summer suit with a massive wedgie. Um... <laughs> no, but you might walk into me lying on the couch in like all black with my shirt all the way unbuttoned. Looking seductive. Being Absolutely. like, oh, I'm injured. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's very me. Exactly. So... <laughs> and also... Yeah, that, that's a distinct possibility that you could walk in. I also really like, so kind of going back to the idea of the different dinosaurs hunting in different ways. And then I also... So there's only really... Are there three main dinosaurs that kill? In this, yes. Yeah. So that... Yeah, no, not in general. But like the, <laughs> and then you have like the velociraptors and they've got this unique thing that they are vicious. And they do it in packs, and so and they, they're super smart. They like distract they hunt you, hunt you down. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like you got to they they chose well, especially because they saved the one that was going to be the biggest threat to them till last, um, when it was the first 
dinosaur that we see in the film that gets shot because it's so dangerous and Sam Neill, whatever his name is, Dr. Grant. Dr. Alan Grant. Dr. Grant um, does this whole spiel about how he terrifies the young lesbian (laughs) um, by talking about how dangerous velociraptors are. (laughs) The young middle-aged lesbian. (laughs) Yeah. Uh (laughs) Who also, can I just say, is wearing your fashion. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Because it's an open shirt with a t-shirt underneath. Also, I would love to be in the desert with Sam Neill. Just saying. Yes, I, I'm sure you would. <laughs> yeah, it like velociraptors are terrifying. Mm-hmm. And T-Rex, in fairness, is terrifying. I just think they're the two most iconic, like, scary dinosaurs. Like, yeah. chasing you dinosaurs. Because going forward, they have, like, in, in other films of jurassic park they have obviously like spinosaurus and stuff like that which are terrifying but i just it doesn't have the same feel to me as velociraptors and the ogs t-rex yeah and then going even further forward they like make their own hybrid versions of dinosaurs in, oh okay like, the chris pratt ones oh god um <laughs> and um <laughs> So one of the one of the hybrids they make is a cross between a T-Rex and a Velociraptor. Oh my god, why? Did they not exactly. learn? Exactly. No. <laughs> no, they did not. You wait till I make you watch the rest of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's going to Although happen. saying that, <laughs> Jurassic Park 3, so of the of the original 3 Jurassic Parks, number 3 I think would be way more up your alley than these, which, you know, is kind of sacrilege to say. But it's very much more sort of campy, black comedy, over-the-topness. So So I think you should watch that one. The only other scene that I have seen, which I knew wasn't in in the original, is I have seen a clip of Dr. Alan Grant being on the... I think it's him, being on the plane and a dinosaur turns around to him and says, Hello, Alan. Is that in the (laughs) third one? That's yeah. That's the third one. Then I'm all um, on board. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you should definitely. I mean, you have to watch the second one. Uh, Just for context. Yes, and also <laughs> you know, it does open with a child being eaten by a lot of dinosaurs. Oh, okay, so, I might enjoy know. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, she's like this cute little girl in a dress from her really rich family. Oh. I think they're compies that attack her. So like right. little dinosaurs that all flock on you. Right. Like birds, shockingly enough, mm. uh, and eat you to death. Mm. So one thing I did want to ask, because we're talking about like how different dinosaurs kill, and mm. uh, do you think that this park could have been successful if they'd only bred vegetarians? Or do you think that potentially they might have evolved or mutated or adapted anyway because of the whole concept of not being able to control nature? and would have ended up still being some kind of threat? That is an excellent question. And my completely uninformed brain has no answer. But, because I would want to say, oh, well, they would just stay herbivores, but they it might affect the ecosystem in a different way. And then they, so the ecosystem might change and therefore they evolve to eat meat or something. Yeah, or they interbreed with, other animals that are found there yeah um like cross species and then evolve Mm -hmm. going forward i mean all i'm saying is completely unbiased despite being a vegan i think they should have all been (laughs) vegetarian (laughs) (laughs) 
And then it would have been successful. But the thing is, is I would say that apart from, and I do not know names of any dinosaurs, apart from the one with the long neck, mm. what are they called? Uh, there's a few with long necks, but you're probably thinking Brachiosaurus. One of them, yes. <laughs> um, I think uh, that apart from them, the iconic dinosaurs are probably more the meat eaters. So that's probably why they bred them. Well, because we we love fear. No, but I think that's why they bred them, probably. Oh, you can't like you wouldn't be able to have a dinosaur park without a T Rex. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you've and got to have a Velociraptor. Yeah. Like you can't not like you could live without a few of these. Like you could live without the mutated ones. Like the the point going forward is people got bored of Jurassic World. Uh, like the people going to the theme park in the future. Um, major spoiler alerts, but you know, it's uh, not they've been to out for years. So, <laughs> no, I know that's true. Um, but the people are getting bored of the park, so they're like trying to create the most violent dinosaurs. That's to unsafe, help. right? Like, do also, things go wrong? <laughs> yes, yes, things do go wrong. Lots of people are eaten. Are you trying to tell me that capitalism finds a way to put us all in danger? I may be saying that. Yeah. <laughs> But I will tell you one thing. Bryce Dallas Howard can run in heels Ooh. like a motherfucker. Well, I'm impressed because I can barely stand in them. <laughs> I've never even tried them on. Uh, they scare me. Uh, see, I wear them and then I, after a while, I'm like, I can't feel the bottom of my feet. I hate this. I'm going to take them off and just put my trainers on. <laughs> yeah. So... Well, imagine running away from dinosaurs in them. Oh, you know what I did see, though? Um, when I was just, like, looking online after watching the film, just looking at some things about the film, I did see that somebody had done pictures of Jurassic Park where all the dinosaurs were wearing high heels. So... <laughs> and I love. Of course it. you did. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, but... <laughs> so this is one thing. Do you think you would have enjoyed this film more? So one of the, uh, like, early on people that they were debating getting on to direct this, Tim Burton... Oh, early 90s Tim Burton. Would have been a very different film, eh? It wouldn't have worked because he had the whole kind of gothy, white, glowy face sort of style, didn't he? Yes. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, I do. Cool, okay. Like, Johnny Tim Burton is gothy yeah. and has a white, glowy face. Yes. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yes. Um, yeah. I don't think that would have worked. No. Like, how do you make dinosaurs goth? I mean, I'd love to see it. But I think it, I don't think it would have worked. I guess he did uh, Batman, didn't he? Yeah. So I guess that, but Batman is very camp. Yeah. So that might work. Oh, but then this could have been really camp. Yes, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, over the top camp dinosaurs, yeah. she's in. <laughs> I mean, come on, we've already seen a T-Rex with incredibly short arms, which easily does the little kind of hello kind of thing that we always do um, with tiny little hands kind of just going, ooh. Um, yeah. And we've seen like the amazing little uh, rough, you know, neck. rough neck guy. Um, <laughs> so it could definitely have been quite camp. I would have liked I mean, it would be a, a sh it would be awful, but I would have loved it. <laughs> yes, I I am very glad that this is the way it went. I'm also very glad that it's Sam Neill, not Harrison Ford, who was also rumored at the beginning to be someone up for Dr. Alan Grant. I think that Harrison Ford would have been too grumpy. I think he would have been too grumpy and too action heroy. Yeah, I think it works well. That I mean, 
it's weird because I wouldn't say that Harrison Ford is like looks like a major action star. He is a very everyday guy in many ways, but because we know him as being like the action star. Indiana Jones. And, <laughs> yeah, Indiana Jones and also like Han Solo a little bit as well. Yes. Then yeah. I think that in the audience wouldn't buy him being the everyday guy. Sam Neill definitely looks like an everyday kind of guy. Yeah. Who, you know, yeah. likes to spend most of his life in a flipping desert with a little kind of little brush, you know? Yes. Getting rid of that sand. Scaring middle-aged lesbians. Scaring middle-aged lesbians. <laughs> and walking around with a claw. Yes, <laughs> Very which cap- I love. I, mean, I was so to lean sad. Into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so sad when he threw his claw away. Yeah, but I would have loved it if he had like this like weird thing where he would just go up to people and like caress their face with a claw or something. It would have been <laughs> really like, funny. Growl. Yeah, just like <gasps> no, no. Um, Jeff Goldblum should yes, be doing it. Yes, he should have done that. That should have been his prop. And then he <laughs> with his little claw. I would have loved that. I know. I mean, he has so many ridiculous moments. He spends the first half of the uh, the film kind of walking around making weird noises funny quips serious ethical debates um and then he literally does a sexy saucy walk up to a pile of shite and goes that's a big pile of shit or whatever he says (laughs) it's very camp and very on brand and then he gets like a minor injury because it can't be that bad because he's literally just afterwards he's just like lying around with his shirt open just like bloody job of the hut or something <laughs> just like lying there um did you just call him sexy job of the hut yes he is a little you know you know what i mean by the, like the recline i guess it could be sexy cleopatra as well you know that kind no, of sexy i recline. much prefer the one you went for <laughs> yeah uh with the shirt open a lot of body oil um yes <laughs> And just well, kind it's, of, it's hot and he's sweating. So, and and really not helping at all with the situation. I mean, no. don't get me wrong. Later on, he does hold a map. But he kind of, he loses <laughs> all his agency by the end of the story. And it's like, he, he didn't have an injury that made him unable to speak. That's I, true. That I would have liked a true. few more catty remarks from him. Yeah, but I think that... John Hammond had had enough by that point. He's <laughs> like, shut up, man. I'm locked in a bunker with you. Shut up. My grandchildren are out there somewhere. Maybe I might have just killed them. My daughter's already going through a divorce. That's going to be a really awkward conversation to be like, now you're totally alone. Yeah, he does have like a full on moment of depressing eating some, uh, <laughs> some ice cream, which I, I All kind of, of bought. All of the ice cream. I kind of bought. Yeah. Um, Hopefully he's not lactose intolerant because those white pants will not hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is an image I don't need to see. (laughs) Oh, God, no. Oh, God. So earlier you mentioned that there was more than one lesbian moment, more than two lesbian moments. We talked about a young boy or lesbian and we talked about uh, the kind of sapphic dinosaurs. You said there were more kind of queer things. Yeah, and I'd like to discuss that at length. Absolutely. Okay, (laughs) we have we have covered most of it. So obviously, you've got the is it a boy? Is it a middle aged lesbian? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which teenage boy or lesbian is one of my favourite games of all time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You've got the fact that 
all of the dinosaurs are female and yet clearly in relationships and reproducing. Yeah. Which is then like not only does that tie in queerness in every level, but like trans. I'm like, yes. Yes. Oh, yes, um, of course, because they change change sex, sex or change. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. I'm like, yes. yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then you've just got the general um, outfits throughout that yes. even even though obviously a lot of them are on men, they are staple lesbian outfits. Yes, but I would argue that Laura Dern has like the, the, the shorts kind of um, jungle shorts kind of style. What, what, how would you describe them? Like these kind of khaki kind yeah, of explorer they're not, they're stuff. Not like... They're like very 90s shorts. But then she yes. has the wrapped around, like undone, but wrapped up shirt with an undershirt yes. underneath. Yes, very, she Very, very queer. That is yes. a queer outfit. I see yes. people wearing that today and I would su- suspect. Um, yeah. <laughs> and... Well, that's, that's, that's a queer woman. That, like, yeah. She is queer. And, and Sam Neill is just inherently queer. Like... But I think, I think also just the fact that like, Yes, they're meant to be in this relationship, but they really don't show that much affection for each other. So it implies, to, and she seems kind of, you know, standalone because she's an independent woman. Thank you very much. But she seems to kind of stand alone aside from all the men. I feel like she's definitely more of a kind of queer hero in that sense. And there, and she kind of, she's the one that in many ways kind of saves saves the day. But I thought also the little girl. It was very much Lex. a thing at the time where the you know those tops where it was just it's kind of like almost 80s actually the tops where they you don't have any arms on them yeah. and as soon as they get a little bit dirty and a little bit rugged and and you've got a bit of a messed up hair i was like that's a very butch outfit i love it yes absolutely <laughs> she's just come back from playing softball yeah and so she's a bit roughed up you know yes exactly yes exactly. absolutely and then Tim obviously dresses like Alan, yeah, which is such a cute little detail because he's like bought Alan's book and is obsessed with Alan, and then dresses yes. just like him. I'm like, that's adorable. Also, would both wear both of those outfits? Yes, definitely. all day, every day. Love them both. <laughs> yeah. Also, very, very queer. Yes. Like double denim boots, a shirt. Yeah, definitely. Like open a little neckerchief around like your neck. Very queer. And the hat. The hat alone. Yeah. I have a few of them. And they des- are queer. And despite um, Jeff Goldblum being a little lecherous in this role, he also is basically the most homoerotic character in this whole... Yes. That is accurate. <laughs> whole, uh, ...film. So I feel like it's pretty strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think we can put this on our queer film list for next year. <gasps> yes! <laughs> Well, okay, so one of my favourite bits of this film is just the most iconic score. Yeah. Like, John Williams did this in just the most amazing way. Like, I, every time I hear, I mean, any of the songs, really, or, like, any of the music, but, the, like, the Jurassic Park theme, mm. no matter where I hear it or what I'm doing, it brings me back to watching the film. It's just so iconic, and you you picture in your mind, like, the T-Rex roaring and the banner falling down, which is such an iconic shot. Yeah. And you just, you have all of the images in your mind and you can feel it just from listening to that little bit of music. Yeah. To me, weirdly enough, considering that I didn't 
see this film uh, when I was, but you know, all the way through until <laughs> incredibly recently, possibly even this week. Um, I would say to me, this is actually his most iconic theme. I know yeah. people are going to fight with me that there are other ones, but um, this one, this is this is one of the weird. Weirdly, this is one of the themes that actually does get stuck in my head, and other ones don't. Yeah, I mean... Just a... Da, 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 da. So just that, round and round and round. Round and round and round. It's true, actually. Like, I mean, he's done he's done some of the most iconic things you can listen to, like Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, Star Wars, like, all of these things that have such iconic music. But this... There's something about the Jurassic Park one that's just the mind-blowing loop to me. just goes round and round in your head over and over, at least for me yeah. it does. So definitely, I think it's 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 truly iconic, and it does really help uh, because it the, the, it assists the film, which is what it's meant to do, because it does help to create this kind of magnanimous moment of seeing the dinosaurs for the first time, both as the characters seeing them, but also the audience seeing them as well. Yeah. Um, and then it's also able to sustain the tension. Um, from some of those more terrifying or more action-filled scenes. Yeah, it it really does help the narrative so well. Yeah, it's it's just like, and that's one thing I think John Williams does incredibly well is the music really, really puts you in the film. Yeah, and I just think that, that is like imagine having that talent. Oh God, it's phenomenal. I just, oh, <laughs> it's insane. It's like. He's just an incredible man. Yeah, it is just it is one of those. Um, I think the film in general, but also definitely the store, uh, the score is going to go down in kind of cinematic history as being one of the best of all time, one of the most iconic. And I think in fifty to a hundred years, people will still be talking about it, and people will probably be learning it in school or at like a college and things like that as being one of the ones that people remember and that people learn yeah. from. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you uh, the fact that they're still releasing new ones like to this day, new films like to this day from, from this, this from this yet, franchise. From this franchise and yet the and, and like and I love every single one of them. Mm. But there every time I hear that music, it puts me straight back in that first film. Yeah. And it's not straight just back. it's not just the the music itself but it's also how the director uses it yes absolutely to, to kind of create them the most out of those moments that he needs there's just everyone on this film seemed to just really work well together like it just mm-hmm. all seemed to come together yeah oh it's definitely just, it's just like a seamless piece like i just i think it's just so well done you can tell like, considering it was made in 92 like yeah you can tell there's a, like a love and fascination with the topic at hand and that's enthusiasm um yeah. kind of bleeds through to the rest of the film yeah absolutely it's uh, yeah i just i love this film so much <laughs> <laughs> i know so next week kim's going to recommend land before time and <laughs> <laughs> oh no i cry so much uh... <laughs> such a such a good film no i okay so i obviously i know that we have said about mixing things up a bit and do like to choosing some ones that we wouldn't normally choose um and i know this is one that is probably quite normal for me to have chosen but i wanted to like kick off us being back after our break in the new year with a film that i just absolutely adore and i know that you haven't seen yes so i was like well i have to i have to put this in here but don't worry i won't be just just focusing on dinosaur films for the rest of the year (laughs) 
Oh, don't worry, because I will be um, just as, you know, I, I will kind of take on the pretentiousness that is needed uh, for our next film recommendation. <laughs> good, next good. watch. Um, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to start it with like a nice blockbuster just to counteract the fact that we're going to go to like the most pretentious place we could possibly go. Is that kind of the... <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's the most pretentious, but I do think it's a film that is... Um, underappreciated and should be talked about more. Um, it is a film from the 90s. We're still stuck there in that decade, um, but not the 1940s this time, guys. So it's, it's, I'm progressing. Um, <laughs> look, this is a film actually that I only watched the first time last year, um, but it is a film called Watermelon Woman. Watermelon Woman. Sorry, had a bit of a tongue twister there. Um, and it is a film about a young woman who is searching for kind of the history of or, or more information about this old Hollywood actress um, who was known as the Watermelon Woman. I can't say it. Watermelon Woman. Jeez. <laughs> um, uh, and she uh, goes through this kind of search um, to find out why she has been kind of forgotten from history and what her true story was. And it, it's about a black lesbian looking into the history of, of a black lesbian um, who was in a, 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 a who was a movie star, and or maybe not a movie star, maybe that would be wrong, but certainly an actress in the movies from the early part of the 20th century. Um, and there's just lots of kind of conversations in there about like forgotten histories and things like that, which I think would be really interesting to watch. And I know I'm pretty sure it's one that you haven't seen. So I'd be yeah. really interested to see um, what you thought of it as well. Oh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's, it's been on my list, like so many other films, for so long. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd rewatch Jurassic Park. No, um, so it's uh, yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to to watching it and talking about it because I know a bit about it and yeah, I'm excited to delve into it. Yeah. So you will have to join us next week to talk about the Watermelon Woman. So till next time. Yeah. Have a good one. See you next Thursday. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Heavenly Features. We are at Heavenly Features Pod on Instagram and Heavenly Features Pod on YouTube. And we are Heavenly Feats Pod on Letterboxd and Twitter. Uh, head over to our Instagram and Twitter and give us a follow if you want to watch along with us. We will be announcing what films we'll be talking about the next week. And please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions. Hey folks, uh, just a little bonus uh, clip here at the end uh, where we are talking all about how camp uh, the Dilophosaurus is. So enjoy. Well, I thought he looked so fabulous <laughs> that he would have lots of accessories, okay? Um, and I, mean, I love that You're he... not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> I mean, he was the most fabulous of all of them, right? She, they're all girls. Oh, she, of course. Even though he was... Uh, she, sorry. <laughs> was kind of like a little twink because it was this tiny little... <laughs> oh, yes, in fairness. Well, tiny little maybe... thing sneaking up and then going, woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the campus dinosaur by far. Yes. And I gets, love them. Because then he gets in the car and he's like, hello! <laughs> Dinner time! <laughs> that I did enjoy. Yeah.